Hi, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. My name is Isabel Ross, and I'm the coach at Peak Endurance Coaching. Episode 70, can you believe we're at episode 70? I'm pretty excited about that. Is another interview with Travis Macy, a finisher of over 120 ultra endurance events in 17 countries. Travis is a speaker, author, coach and professional endurance athlete. He is the author of the book, The Ultra Mindset and Endurance Champions, Eight Core Principles for Success in Business, Sports and Life, which I previously interviewed him about. This time I'm talking to him about Eco Challenge Fiji and how he and his team, Team Endure, fared. If you haven't watched the world's toughest race on Prime yet, I urge you to get on over and watch it. I don't normally binge watch series, but I made an exception and did for this one because it is so good. Can I ask you a favour? Would you be able to get on over to Apple Podcasts to rate, review and subscribe? I don't get paid to do this. I do it for the love of sharing great information, but would greatly appreciate your reviews and support. It truly makes it feel all worthwhile. Like adventure racing, running can take you many places, both mentally and physically. But if you have injuries or niggles ruining your enjoyment of running and hindering your performance, it's hard to be motivated to get out the door. If this is the case for you, come in and see the specialists at Health and High Performance, where they utilise the latest in technology and experience to help you achieve the results you want and are capable of. So head to healthhp.com.au forward slash run or find them on Instagram, Health High Performance. I really think this isolation or quarantine time, whatever you want to call it, is a great time to do for you to do some self-reflection. I know I've certainly done a lot of that. In spite of everything feeling out of control in this moment of COVID, you are actually in a position of power within yourself and how you react to this situation. As they always say, control the controllables. You can do this <clears throat> in your running with a structured and well-planned training plan with Peak Endurance Coaching. Email me at isabel at peakendurancecoaching.com.au and let's get your training moving in the right direction. I hope you enjoy this interview with Travis. It cuts out a little bit right at the end, but other than that, the quality is good. Enjoy. Hi, Travis, and welcome back to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Yeah, thanks, Isabel. Awesome to be uh, back here with you and uh, the audience. Glad that we could navigate the time difference here. And Yes, that's right. That's always a bit of a tricky one. Um, so, now, last time we spoke, uh, we were talking about your book, The Ultra Mindset, and you had said something about, you know, you had done some really hard race, um, and then, of course, I saw on Prime that the world's toughest race. Can you tell the mm-hmm. listeners a bit, a, a bit about how you originally got into sort of adventure racing things and then how, um, what your motivation was and to get into the Eco Challenge? Yeah, so the sport of adventure racing, for, for those who aren't familiar, uh, is um, typically a, a four-person co-ed team that's, uh, you know, navigating through a variety of terrain with uh, paddling and trekking, mountain biking, fixed ropes, uh, um, you know, using map and compass the entire way, and a variety of other uh, disciplines, uh, you know, kind of unique to the area. So in Fiji, we were on these Thamakau outrigger canoes, and uh, I've done a few races in Australia, and, you know, those races have typically uh, required um, ocean paddling, you know, so on on sea kayaks or surf skis or, you know, kind of whatever they feel like uh, throwing at you. And, um, you know, the shorter races are maybe half a day or a day or 24 hours, and, and then all the way up to something like uh, 
you know, that world's toughest race eco challenge that, that was a maximum of 11 days, uh, you know, nonstop sort of around the clock, you know, clock never stops your, your part of your strategy is when do you sleep? Where do you sleep? How much do you sleep? Um, very dynamic sport. And, and the, the teamwork aspect is, is super cool as well. So anyway, my history with the sport is um, when I was a, a kid and teenager, you know, in the late nineties, uh, my dad started doing these eco challenges. He had done uh, some ultra running and he had done the Ironman and, you know, was just kind of approached by his friend, Marshall Ulrich, who uh, viewers may have seen on the Amazon coverage. And, you know, Marsh said, Hey, Mace, you want to go do this eco challenge uh, that they, Marshall heard about it, you know, through, through the grapevine or whatever. And, uh, that was, that was Mark Burnett's, um, you know, he's the producer, uh, his kind of first crack at, at making a TV show out of this. And, and he did. And, um, you know, my dad and Marshall ended up doing like the next eight of those races, uh, and until 2002, uh, in, in Fiji where they did a race and, and over the years, you know, they raced in, uh, British Columbia, Morocco, Argentina, Borneo. Um, gosh, let's see where else are, maybe did I say Argentina already? I don't know. They, they went to, you know, awesome, awesome places, uh, New Zealand, uh, and Australia. They, they did races in, uh, both of those, um, you know, so awesome travels around the world. And, and again, I was, you know, kind of in high school and then in college watching these things go on and, and, you know, always just super, um, super interested in, and in seeing, you know, those classic adventure racers, including many of the Aussies, uh, you know, John Jacoby and, um, you know, Jane Hall and, uh, you know, these, these classic Aussie teams that were always up there at the front. Um, and I just kind of knew I wanted to get into it. So as, as I finished college in, uh, 2000, kind of three, four, five, I started getting into these races and ended up, um, you know, being able to have some, some good sponsorships that paid for, uh, myself and my teammates to travel around the world. And, you know, that's when we were doing things like racing in Australia and New Zealand and Patagonia and Scandinavia and various places in Europe. And, um, you know, it was, it was a great way to see the world and unless, you know, at least in America and probably to some extent in Australia, less prominent, you know, than when the eco challenge was going because there wasn't, you know, the TV production and that kind of stuff, but there were still great races. And, and I had a blast racing with, with a number of Aussies. There's a guy named Rob Preston. He and I yep. did the world championship together. You know, he was shown on that coverage. Um, Darren Clark, um, who's from the, the Melbourne area, I think Geelong, maybe, um, we did a number of races together. I got to do a few big races, um, with John Jacoby kind of at the end of his, um, time racing. And that was a blast, you know, just to, to, to get to race with, with someone uh, like him. So, um, anyway, I was, you know, doing those races kind of as my sort of main sport, probably till 2012 or 13 or so. And then I kind of shifted mostly to ultra running for a few years and some mountain biking. Uh, you know, most recently I've done mostly ski mountaineering and, and then, um, you know, we kind of thought eco challenge itself was gone for good. And, and then a few, excuse me, a few years ago, we start to hear these, you know, what at the time seemed like rumors, maybe it's coming back and oh, Bear Grylls is involved. And, you know, we many times we're like, oh, this is like some internet scam or, you know, <laughs> whatever. And it turns out it, it eventually came clear, okay, this is the real thing. And, you know, let's, let's do it. Um, you know, and that's, was, 
you know, dad's Alzheimer's diagnosis was, was around that same time. And we kind of realized like, Hey, this is, you know, maybe a chance where we can get out and do something um, very special together um, with some of, some of our, our good friends, you know, Shane mm -hmm. and Danelle and Andrew, Andrew is our support crew guy. And um, we we're glad to do it. It was, it was a blast. We had a ton of fun. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it looked like an awesome challenge. I don't know if all of it looked fun, but um, it certainly looked like an awesome challenge. So when your dad, uh, when you were a teenager and your dad took up uh, adventure racing, how old was he then at that stage? Uh, so in 95, he would have been um, like 42, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that, you know, for these, as, as you know, from ultra marathoning, I mean, many folks into their forties and fifties can be at the elite level and not that, yeah. you know, he was, he and Marshall were never winning the eco challenge or anything, but you know, they were doing just fine. And, um, you know, so continued to do that kind of into his early fifties. And, and then yeah. even after the eco challenge, you know, he and I went to a whole bunch of races together, not necessarily on the same team, but, mm -hmm. you know, maybe I would have a team and he would have a team or, you know, the lots of races he crewed for me and that kind of stuff. So we continued to, you know, just have, have the, the shared interest, which, which was great. Yeah. I mean, that would be awesome to have a shared interest like that with your, with your dad and, and vice versa for him as a parent. I know it, that would be awesome to have yeah. as a child. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. was it difficult to get into the race? Um, because I bet yeah. lots of people wanted to get into it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure, you know, right now they just had an application mm, period for right. the 2021. And I'm sure <laughs> that would, I mean, who knows? I mean, I'm sure they got thousands of applications. I don't know how many, I'm sure they got, you know, many for the, yeah. the first one. It was, it was harder to find out about it. You know, you kind of heard through the grapevine or, you know, you maybe you had seen the ecochallenge.com and signed up for the newsletter or yeah. something. So I, I, I have no idea how many applicants there were and what percentage got in or yeah. whatever, you know, but it, but it was, you know, th they are, they're both producing a, you know, legitimate challenging race with lots of good teams and great competition and prize money and a reality TV yeah. show. And, That's you right. know, and that, that is what it is. It's totally fine. Um, but that does, you know, that plays into the application process um you know which again that's it is what it is like you know you yeah. want to have this awesome race with great funding and you know a, a lot of the energy and hype and all that um you know there's they've got to have the stories as well so oh, i think definitely. they did a great job with it and they yes. had you know awesome teams you know the best teams mm. in the world were there and the stories of of the teams that they they highlighted were really interesting stories mm -hmm. and um yeah i think so and there were know. a lot more stories too you know, oh, I'm sure other, they were. You know, yeah, family teams and, you know, yeah. this and that. The, the, you know, there was, uh, you know, just as many stories that they could have covered. But yeah. again, you only, I, I mean, if 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 I was God, the, the Eco Challenge coverage would be like 100 hours. And, uh, well, I wish, I wish it had been because I wanted to keep watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, I've got, so. That's <laughs> Next time. Um, yeah. So, Obviously, you knew you and your dad were, were going to be part of the team. How did you choose the other members? Because I'm sure you've got lots of friends who are fit and into all sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in this case, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I do have a, a, a lot of friends going back and international friends and, you know, like uh, Emma Roca, for example, who they showed a lot on the coverage. I mean, she's become a great friend of ours through uh, this sport and through ultra running. So, um, you know, it kind of just that this time, this seemed like a a great group where where all of our goals 
lined up as far as let's focus on the experience. Let's, um, you know, we're not racing competitively. We're, we're racing seriously as far as, you know, we're, we're here to, you know, make it through if we can or go, go as far as possible, um, which I think we did. Um, but it's, it, you know, a much different focus from a pure competitive focus yeah. where, you know, you're sleeping a lot less and you're just crushing yourself and uh, all of that. So we were, we were kind of all in, you know, Shane, Danelle and I have all previously raced at a, at a very high level and we've, we've raced together. We've been, you know, great friends over the years. Um, but we also, none of us had, had, you know, done a real big race like this since we had kids and, yeah. and we kind of saw it as here's a chance maybe to share it with our kids, whether that's just through the TV production, or maybe we can actually bring them to the race, you know, bring the spouses and kids. And, uh, you know, my mom came and my sister came and even my, my wife's parents came. So we, you know, we had no joke, 15, you know, fans at the hotel, they couldn't go on the course, but they were there. And that was a huge draw for, for all of us. Um, in addition to, you know, kind of with the the Alzheimer's perspective, you know, we realize there's a lot of uncertainty here and mm. we've got to be very confident in our experience and abilities. And, you know, as I looked at, okay, you know, I think this is a good team to do that. Uh, you know, Shane specifically is, is really a water expert when it comes to whitewater and the ocean. And so, you know, boom, you got that checked off. Uh, Danelle is just a, you know, a phenomenal athlete with a lot of experience who also happens to, um, provide a lot of support for her elderly neighbor who has Alzheimer's. So she's got some, you know, experience and, you know, maybe how do, how do you support someone in that area? So, um, you know, and again, just, you know, we're, we're all a lot of fun. We enjoy being together and it was a good, good fit. And same thing for Andrew, our, our crew guy, um, you know, as well, he was a great fit for us and, and, and the stray dogs, you know, they were kind of an extension of our team too. Yes. We trained a lot with them and traveled out there with them. And, you know, in many ways we were kind of, you know, two teams together. We did the rope certification and whitewater yeah. certification uh, with those guys. So, um, yeah. So you had to do those certifications as part of preparing, like that was something you had to have. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. A bunch of, you know, uh, let's see what, you know, there's the rope skills. So that's like climbing, ascending, yeah. passing, fixed knots, uh, repelling Tyrolean traverse you, mm. you got to get signed off by a climbing guide and and depending on who's on your team someone on your team may be a climbing guide and they can mm. probably sign off themselves and you uh same thing for swift water so we did like a you know a swift water review course where we practice some rescues and steering the boat and even a classroom session about um fluid dynamics in in the river and um you know really good stuff to brush up on there's like a navigation certification oh. um uh there's you know kind of a jungle skills certification and um so yeah there's there's a lot to it i would assume like for patagonia for the next race there'll probably be some sort of glacier travel certificate you know how do you rope up with your teammates uh what do you you know how do you navigate crevasses uh all that sort of stuff. So there's, there's a lot that, you know, in addition to just sort of the fitness, which is primarily running, biking and paddling, you know, there's a lot of specialized skills such as navigating, you know, gear maintenance, uh, you know, nutrition, all that. And, and then the logistical planning of the certifications and just getting the gear. I mean, the, the gear, like, you know, your house is just a, total gear explosion for months leading to the race. So there, there's a lot that it's, it's a, it's a big effort just to get to the starting line. 
Oh God, it sounds like it. And I didn't realize that you had to do all those certifications, but it, I just thought people, I was thinking, well, what if they don't know how to climb, you know, up the ropes and that, but mm-hmm. obviously the, there's an element of safety that has to be abided by. So yep. I guess that's yeah. part of it. And then they, the, the days leading to the races, you do some additional testing. So they throw up some ropes, mm-hmm. you know, on the side of a hotel and you, you know, ascend and, and, uh, and rappel and um you know they give you a little training like the the thomaco cow sailboat uh you know there's not many of those things around here yeah. in the colorado rockies so you know we got we got a little bit of training on on that and 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 really you know you watch this stuff and it is um extreme and there is some level of risk but i also think in a in a race like this, it's very polished and well run and has good safety support that you know they have extensive rope staff you know dozens of people who are are top-notch climbing guides from around the world it's it's really a a relatively controlled scenario to to do some of these activities you know it's a lot safer than just going out there into the bush in fiji by yourself or with your team and trying to to do this stuff you know yes of course injuries can absolutely uh still occur but um you know it's 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 a good controlled environment. And and that's one thing that encouraged us to, Hey, this is, you know, a risk that we're willing to take. Yeah, no, that's, that um, certainly gives me another perspective on it. That's, that's awesome. So how did you like with, with all those different elements to train for, how, how do you train for something like that? Um, you know, again, you, you gotta time on foot, time on the bike and time paddling are the main you know, things to, to do. And that, you know, probably is somewhat balanced between the three, depending on how much time you have. It also might be depending on what does the course look like? Does it seem to be heavy in paddling or, or cycling or, you know, mountains, the, the Patagonia course will probably have a lot up and down and like cycling in the hills may be more important than it was in Fiji, although Fiji was pretty darn hilly as well. Um, so, uh, you know, and then, I mean, we're, we're lucky as well. A lot of this is experience. Like, you know, yeah. some people watch this on TV and they're like, I want to adventure race and I want to do the world's toughest race and gosh, it looks like a lot. And well, you know, it is. And if you want to do this stuff, you know, work your way in, choose something that's appropriate and kind of, you go step by step and you build these, these skills, you know, you, you don't, you know, it's like whatever the ultra running world, like you don't have to start off by running a hundred miles or 200 miles. And you, and you don't ever have to do those distances. If you don't want to, you can still, you know, be a trail runner or adventure racer and, you know, do whatever distance is appropriate to you. Um, you know, another thing is sometimes people think, okay, I've trained for my marathon or my 50 K or my 10 K and let's say someone's spending 10 hours a week training and they think, Oh my God, to go 600 K I've got a spend a hundred times that, you know, (laughs) well, you you can't train that much because not that much time exists. And most of us have things like families and and work and other stuff going on. And, and, you know, the, the moral there in my mind is it doesn't have to be huge, incredible hours. You know, I was training for this race, probably 10 to 15 hours a week, mostly running and biking. You know, again, I knew we weren't going to be trying to win. So I probably didn't paddle as much as, as I would have, you you know, if I was on an elite team trying to win, I'd probably be doing, you know, maybe 20 hours a week and I'd be doing more, um, a lot more paddling and and longer sessions on, on foot um, and on the bike. But, but either way, that's not unreasonable amounts of training either, is it? 
Yeah, I think most of the people you see out there, you know, again, they're, they're probably balancing family job, you know, that sort of stuff. And it just, it comes down to how do you want to spend your time? (laughs) You know, I mean, a lot of people in America watch a lot of TV and probably a lot of Aussies do too. And you know, I, I think many people, if they cut their TV time in half and decided to spend it exercising, like, wow, well, there's an hour or two a day and that's enough to maintain a pretty good fitness level. Yeah, so yeah, it's doing those. And again, with a sport like this, even like you would see with ultra running, there's the craft of racing and that's, you know, managing your gear. How do you carry it? How do you uh, eat and fuel? And, um, you know, the navigation you saw, that's a big thing. So mm-hmm. like, you know, at least one person on the team has got to be pretty good. And hopefully has spent a lot of time looking at maps and, you know, trucking around out in the, out in the bush there, you know, and uh, all, all that sort of stuff. And so how, like with, say for instance, like with the bikes, like were you all able to fix it? Because I used to race mountain bikes. I know what, what yeah. it can be like. Yeah. Um, sometimes it can be the bike that stops you rather than yourself. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, were you all pretty well versed in how to deal with technical issues there? Yeah, yeah, good enough. You know, I mean, I'm not a bike mechanic, but, you know, kind of with, uh, I mean, probably not my dad at this point, because with, you know, with Alzheimer's, I mean, you know, how do the parts of a bike match up? That's a a pretty tough question. But yeah, you know, we, you figure out how to get by. Um, Andrew, our crew guy, he's probably the best bike mechanic on our team. And that's a big asset because, Mm. you know, maybe you can, you know, whatever, something breaks and you can limp your way to the next uh, you know, camp and, and then maybe he can, you know, provide a bigger, a, a fix or, you know, he was fixing bikes for other teams and, uh, you know, and that's just kind of something you do. You bring a lot of extra, extra parts. Uh, you know, I mean, if it, we, we had extra tires, you got, we had one derailleur, we all four had derailleur hangers and, uh, backup brake pads and cables. And, you know, you got all this stuff cause, it, it will break uh, yeah. at some point. And, you know, my bike went, went downhill pretty good after, like we had to carry our bikes through this, this big river. Um, and ideally you'd be holding the bike above the river, but you know, it might drag in there a little bit. Yeah. And it, it turned out, I think what happened is the, you know, my, a bit of my frame went, went into the water itself and, and got some water on that internal cable housing. Yeah. So water, and then the silt in the water got in there and then throughout the day, it basically cooked and hardened. And lo and behold, those those cables, you know, for shifting gears, yeah. they just couldn't move. So, you know, I was basically reduced to a, a single speed for <laughs> quite some time, um, which is, know. you know, better than uh, no gears. <laughs> better yeah. than it could be. Yeah, yeah you that's know, right. Yeah. Like, like that. You know, you, yeah, you break something that you that you can't yeah. ride at all. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. that's you know, that's part of the deal. Yeah, stuff stuff breaks, and and it's you know, it's kind of like these ultra runs, you, you, you know, it's a lot less about, um, having no problems because you will have problems. It's more about managing the problems and figuring it out and doing it efficiently. Uh, you know, as you saw with the top teams, like the Kiwis, they're very good at, uh, minimizing time loss in Mm -hmm. in any little, you know, mistake, mishap, uh, you know, getting lost for a short period of time instead of a long period of time, fixing little problems before they become big problems, you know, those yeah. are all things you got to stay on top of. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Now, so um, how you, uh, long before the race was your father diagnosed with Alzheimer's? Um, in, uh, yeah, in, in the year leading up to it, I can't, you know, kind of the 
late fall yeah. beforehand. I can't remember exactly when, no, but it was, you know, definitely, yeah, the same time of sort of, okay, the, the race is coming, you know, we, yeah. well, we, we think we're in, okay, here's the race day, you know, and then, and then, you know, here's the diagnosis. Well, can we do it? Should we do it? Will they let us do it? Is there going to be liability issues? There's a lot of, um, for me, a lot of anxiety around all oh. of these issues. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm in hindsight, I'm glad that I pushed through it to do something yeah. that was, that was important to us. Oh, definitely. That'll be an, an awesome thing to have. Um, and, and so, I mean, I don't know a lot about Alzheimer's. Um, what, what were the effects for your dad during the race? <clears throat> well, <laughs> there were, there were, you know, kind of ever present. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and some of it, you know, some they caught on camera. You know, a yeah, lot. that's right. They didn't, but you know, any anything with details just becomes a lot harder. From you know, sort of the the gear management, for example, you know, there's you're you're carrying so many different things and so so many just little details to monitor, even just down to eating and drinking and how often do you eat and drink and you know where's this thing in your pack and who's carrying what and who has the team gear and you know you get to camp and it's like okay next section we're taking this this and this but this that and the other are coming out of yeah. out of the out of the pack or you know you get you get to the next bike section and there's your bike in a box in pieces you know because you took it apart yeah. the last time you rode it and you got to put it back together so those were just many you know all of these things became instead of sort of you know each person look out for themselves and then you know help the others if and when you're done if you finish first it was more of like we're we're in this together you know um, and that was, that was fine. You know, like we, we knew all that going in and it was, it was totally fine. You know, he, he definitely had, um, a few episodes of pretty significant disorientation, especially at night, you know, where just sort of uncertainty about wh where are we or what's going on, or, you know, a couple of times even more significant than that. And that's something we expected might happen because that's mm -hmm. not uncommon for people with Alzheimer's, particularly in a new environment and when, yeah. you know, things are confusing, you know, you get to whatever, one of these checkpoints and there's five different languages and it's dark and, you know, everyone's got headlamps and, uh, you know, I mean, the rest of us hardly know, like, where do you go to check in or where, you know, okay, we want to sleep here. Where are we going to, where do you get food? It's just a, you know, a dynamic, overstimulating, um, confusing situation. And that kind of stuff was, was quite hard. And again, we kind of realized as, as a team, you know, as long as someone is talking with dad, especially when it gets dark, the, the nights were a lot tougher. And, and that's why, you know, we tried to sleep as much as we could in the dark. You know, we couldn't stop and sleep 12 hours every night. It was, it was dark 6 a.m. to, or excuse me, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. because it's like right on the equator. Yeah. So we can't be stopped that whole time. But, you know, as, as much as we can and stay ahead of the cutoffs, we'll We'll stop and sleep, and that that turned out to really be our our secret weapon. You know, is is you know having conversations going at night, and that ended up largely being um, Danelle's role because Shane and I would kind of be you know wrapped in the maps and you know figuring out where to go. And and but it was it, it, like it wasn't a problem. It was just two old friends walking along chatting, you know, for yeah. hours every night. It was just beautiful. It was, it was really cool. Yeah, that does sound cool. So I mean. Obviously, you're saying that you kind of developed some strategies as you went. Did you yep. have like an overarching strategy before you started the race? Um, yeah, you know, a bit of both. I mean, overall, our goals were were be safe, work as yeah. a team, have fun, uh, yeah. stay ahead of the cutoffs. You know, that was our only competitive 
goal and, mm. and keep going. And, you know, we did, we did all those things and, and also, you know, just recognize, Hey, there's, I mean, for any team, you know, I don't care if you're the Kiwis or, you know, the Canadians who finished second or, you know, whoever, you can have done a ton of these races and there's still going to be a whole lot of uncertainty and thinking on your feet and figuring, and that's part of the reason you do it. Um, so we had all of that plus just more uncertainty about Alzheimer's with what was going to happen. We just, we just didn't know, but we knew that we were, that we were in it together and that we were confident in, in, you know, first of all, our, ourselves, and then, you know, other teams out there should somehow we need to work together with them. And then the race organization in general, you know, again, it's a, well, you know, you're way the hell out there, but like you got a GPS, you know, you're, yeah. if something happens, you know, you're probably not stuck out there for, for too long. So, yeah. um, yeah. And, and we knew going in sleep was, was, that was kind of the one thing like going in, we're like, okay, we're going to, you know, five plus hours each night, let's find a warm, dry place and actually sleep and have a routine around that. So we were like, you know, again, this is stuff I never would have done if I was racing for the podium, but you know, I'd, I'd be carrying a few um, like uh, you know, freeze dried meals and a stove and we'd stop for the night and cook, you know, heat up water. And it's like, okay, this is dinner. You know, here's the routine. We're having dinner. Let's go to bed. Let's sleep. And then we wake up and here's some breakfast and here's some hot coffee and let's go. And that seemed to work, you know, and it kept, it, it kept dad in the game mentally. And, and it also made it a lot of fun for the rest of us. You know, we, we could just, you know, enjoy the days really. Yeah, with, with less pressure, I guess. And because Definitely, normally you yeah. wouldn't carry a stove and that sort of thing, would you, when you're racing hard? No, not if you're, you know, not if you're going for, for the win. But I, I do, you know, I, th- I think, you know, looking back, let's say there's maybe some other, you know, newer teams or, you know, a team that like, you know, I say just make it through, like just making it through this is a huge accomplishment. Yeah. So, you know, my advice to, to maybe a newer team is, is like sleep more, you know, yeah. some of these teams are like, Oh, we didn't sleep at all the first three nights. And it's like, well, yeah, like, and you were probably going really slow during the day and making a lot of mistakes and you get to your bike and you look at it and you can't figure out how the hell to put it together. Cause your brain doesn't work like, you know, stop and sleep, you know, whatever, three, four, five hours every night, you'll probably feel a lot better during the day. And it's, it's eating as well, you know, eat, some, you know, a, fr- a freeze dried meal, like that's, you know, sitting here, it's like, oh, those things are nasty, but compared to, you know, another energy bar or yeah. bag of chips, yeah. when you're out there, they're, they're pretty darn good. And, you know, have some, have, have some good macronutrients and stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's right. I would think about that, but it's, you know, kind of like ultra running. There's always a balance between how much you're carrying, how heavy is, is it um, versus uh, things you actually need. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so about how much sleep do you think you got overall during your time in the race? We, yeah. I mean, we were leading the league in sleep. I mean, <laughs> you, you know, literally five, six, seven, eight hours oh, every night, okay. you know, kind of, it would, in some of it would vary uh, again, what time is it? When's the next cutoff, uh, et cetera. You know, the, the longest one night we, we kind of, the, the one night that was like all muddy long night through the jungle where dad was kind of falling down a whole lot and his back was really hurt. And that night, you know, we knew we got to make it to this village and, you know, it, I think it took till one or 2 AM to get there. And then, you know, we got in and, you know, ate a little bit and then probably got up the next day at, I don't know, six or seven or something, but that was kind of the longest into the night that we had to push. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, turns out you feel a lot better <laughs> during the day when you sleep. Yeah, it's amazing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, do you have any particular um, high points or, or and and low points that you could share with us? Um. Yeah. You know, a lot. I mean, uh, the uh, again, the those probably those moments of disorientation for dad were mm. you know kind of the lows as far as just concern and you know okay what's going to happen here hopefully hopefully we can lay down and sleep and it'll go away um which it did um and, and then you know yeah physically it it gets challenging you know even, even if you're not sort of throttling it you know just these sections are long i mean paddling the billy billy for yeah. whatever it was 12 or 14 hours like that it, it gets old and you, yeah, I you, bet. you know even if you're ready to paddle you you know you start developing little overuse things and yeah. like our our you know, we built the best Billy Billy we could, but somehow it came out that, you know, it wasn't quite even and the thing wanted to naturally just turn to the left a little bit, huh. which meant the whole way down. I mean, like Danelle and I were just, you're paddling back and forth, but on one side, every single stroke is a steering stroke to kind of pull, you know, correct pull, it. pull the boat yeah. around, correct it a little mm-hmm. bit. And, you know, again, you do that all day long, it gets pretty old. And I was like, you know, getting these weird little you know, like hip flexor issues and stuff on one side and, you know, so anyway, st- stuff gets old, but it's, it's still good. And probably the, the high for me um, really was a human experience and, you know, starting with my dad and going to my teammates and then the other teams and then the eco challenge community as a, as a whole, just a yeah. lot of good energy, whether it's the organizers or the volunteers uh, or, you know, again, the rope staff, the camera crew, you know, it's a bunch of people who just like this kind of stuff and are kind of in their element. And it's fun to be around that that energy. And and then finally, the local people, I mean, man, and I think that came across in the broadcast. Yeah. They are just fantastic. They have this, this bula spirit and a ton of energy and they are so uh, generous and enthusiastic. And it was just, it, it was such a treasure to have that experience. And, and for me, for my, for my kids to get to see that culture. And, and like after the race, we did a, a homestay in, in this oh, little awesome. village out on our island. And man, what a valuable experience to see a, di- a different way of life. And, you know, people who, who are living in much different circumstances from from us, you know, here in Colorado, but they're, they're happy and and just super generous and look for opportunities to help people. It was, it was great. That was, you know, being around those people was a huge takeaway for me. Yeah. Yeah. I bet it was. Um, You mentioned the camera crew and, and people often, you know, we see all these people having going into these difficult situations. We kind of forget that the, the camera people have to follow you in there and, and film you at the same time. What was a what was was that a strange thing having them there as well? <laughs> and, and yeah, that's a yeah. Go. On. Oh yeah, I was just saying, you know, about the that, that's a dynamic challenge as well, and I think they do a good job of choosing um, very qualified camera folks. You know, people who do this for a living and people who are also fit. Um, yeah. So we we had uh, a guy named Johan from Germany who was embedded with our team, and he did all the trekking with us wow. the whole race. And he he really became a teammate. You know, he wasn't helping us or giving us food or showing yeah. us away. But I mean, man, you know, he's in it trekking along for twenty hours <laughs> with us, and you know, we're learning about his family, and he's learning about ours. And you know, he was he was basically part of the team. So he would have had to carry food for himself and and everything like that as well, wouldn't he? As well as the camera. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. And, and he would, you know, like, let's say, you know, we'd truck along for X number of hours and then we get on the bike and like, he wasn't biking with us. He would, you know, he kind of had his own support truck with a local uh, driver. So, you know, maybe he could sleep a little or they drive ahead and try to get a shot of us biking past or whatever. So there were, you know, some breaks, but I mean, those men and women are going, you know, they're going around the clock for a number yeah. of days uh, as well. That's tough for them too. And so um, you say you had a camera person embedded with your team. Did every team have that or did it, was it that they chose particular teams for that? Yeah, I think they chose, you know, some number of teams ahead of time. And then they probably had, you know, maybe some other people who would bounce back and forth. Um, yeah. But I, I, I had a microphone the entire race as well. This, you know, kind of mic I wore around my neck and I, oh. I think it was recording, you know, <laughs> sort of everything we said for the whole oh, race wow. and, and a lot of I mean you you know that's from ultra running I mean it's a lot of just you know stupid stuff and yes. body humor you know <laughs> like I'm sure whoever you know some sound tech in LA here in New York listened to that and like oh my god these people are just you know what the hell are they doing <laughs> yeah I bet that would have been that would have been some funny listening um and so explain to the listeners how the race ended for your team yeah, we, um, you know, basically got to a point on the, the seventh day where, you know, dad's back was really in bad shape and it kind of became apparent that um, we knew there was swimming ahead in this canyoneering section, you know, swimming through very cold pools of water and um, they had done that same section in 2002 and all, all of my teammates did that race. So they, you know, we, we, we had a very good sense of what was coming and we just realized, you know, basically this is not safe uh, for us to do right now, given the, given the swimming and the pace we'd be moving. And, uh, you know, and basically just with dad's back swimming wasn't, wasn't possible. Um, so it was, you know, it's a hard choice. And especially when, uh, you know, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, my uh, dad, especially has always been, you know, no quit, uh, just keep, keep going, push through. And, and, and there's a balance and, and this would apply to, you know, many different races or things in life. Like, yes, no quit is an important principle. And there's absolutely something to be learned from persevering through in the, in the face of, of great, uh, adversity, um, and being safe and, and not, you know, not pushing into a situation where you, you know, there, there's, for example, a, a helicopter rescue, um, mm. you know, or worse, um, that's, that's an important value as well. So, you know, it was a tough choice, but, but I think we made the right one and, you know, no, no regrets at all. We had an awesome yeah. time and, you know, and I, I really want to go back to eco challenge and we, we've got a, a similar team, you know, dad's not going to, race again but we're hoping he can go and still be part of the team because he absolutely is part of it you know as far as hanging out maybe being with the support crew and stuff um and and this time i really want to finish and i you know i think we can um, yeah, i was i was wondering if you we'll would have um, to figure that out it's not going to be yeah. easy so you have applied for patagonia i'm assuming for what you say yep yeah, we applied and kind of the, um, I, I don't think anyone's been notified as of yet, no. you know, who's, who's getting in or, you know, how many teams there's still, you know, obviously we, we know it's a dynamic time right now trying to produce any event, whether it's a small local event or a huge international event like this. So I think most likely we're looking at probably like late 2021 um, for this yeah. 
Patagonia race. And, you know, that gives us all time to train and hopefully get some vaccines and, you know, <laughs> yeah, <he> nice <knows>. goodness. <laughs> Plane to fly across the world, that kind of yeah. stuff. Uh, but I'm, yeah. I'm pumped to go back. I mean, I, you know, I just, I, again, I loved the spirit and the vibe, and the courses are are second to none. So, um, and and hopefully make it a good family of, you know, trip as well. Again, yeah, that's right. Um, <clears throat> of course, the weather in Patagonia will be a little bit different to Fiji, so there'll be different elements to to work with there. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. But that's good. You know, I mean, for, for us as as Colorado mountain athletes, you know, mm -hmm. I think we'll probably feel a little more at home in yeah. the mountains. You know, you, of course, yes, it will be cold and windy and rainy and snowy and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that's kind of what we do. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and that's part of adventure racing, isn't it? It's dealing with different weather. So, oh, I guess yeah. that's, yeah. yeah. So did you stay and yeah. watch the, the rest of the race after you guys um, pulled out? Yeah, well, I mean, kind of, you know, you're sort of like, the, you know, there's the race hotel where things were uh. based. And then, you know, there's the, like, we pulled out at, at camp three, you know, so basically, th th roughly three fifths of the way through the race. But but by then, you know, the, like, the race had moved on, you know, there's yeah. us and a couple other teams, you know, the stray dogs and stuff, a couple yeah. teams that like missed that cutoff. Um, but there wasn't, you know, if you stayed there, like, yeah. you weren't going to see anything so we 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 actually flew back to the hotel on on bear grills helicopter which oh, was awesome. very, yeah very generous and, and super cool you know especially for for dad to get to fly yeah. up there and see the core i mean it was awesome for all of us but um you know we flew back and the families were waiting so we 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 hung around the hotel and then you know people are trickling in and you know every day there's a couple bus loads and you go out and you, you know you greet people and oh man how you doing and you yeah. know you check out people's little uh, injuries uh you know where they have cuts and stuff that are like starting to get infected and then you see it the next day and it's like holy shit that's looking bad and then <laughs> then the next day it's like oh you know we're so and so and the teammates are like oh yeah well he flew on a helicopter to new zealand last night because it's the infection's gotten really oh, bad wow. and, and that happened to you know that was honestly one of the biggest risks for our team like if you have alzheimer's you don't want to you don't want to get really sick and especially end up in a you know, weird hospital in a foreign country. Like it's very scary and disorienting and yeah. et cetera. So luckily we were able to avoid um, that, but we still got, yeah, we got to spend a few days, you know, with the rest of the teams. And, and, you know, by the time we got back, like the top teams had already finished, you know, they've been there <laughs> for a few days. So, you know, we hang out by the pool with the Kiwis or, you know, the Aussies for whatever, and, you know, just catch up and, shoot the shit and have a beer and uh you know and some of them like the the preston family you know they had their little kids so there's a, yeah. you know a few families running around and you know it was it's fun it's a blast it, it does sound fun <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. It, yeah then it was like a you know beach resort vacation i mean we went snorkeling yeah. and you know <laughs> the whole deal yeah. i mean it's fiji why wouldn't you that's exactly yeah. right <laughs> yep so um, do you have, I mean, I know you said um, your dad won't be doing the actual eco challenge with you next year, but do you have yep. any other sort of adventures planned with your dad? Um, yeah, you know, we did, um, there was a neat virtual challenge this summer. Uh, as you know, you know, kind of most of the formal events have been, have been uh, pushed aside or delayed or whatever, but we did a, a virtual challenge put on by the Leadville race series um, that was a vertical gain kind of thing, oh. like, you know, sort of do as much vertical as you can over the sort of uh, 10 weeks. Um, and that was cool. That was a fun, you know, neat thing to, 
to yeah. do together. And I mean, dad was out there doing two to 3000 feet of, of vertical every day, uh, you know, w w combined running and biking. And, and he came up to like a, over a hundred thousand feet of, of vertical for that 10 week period, which, oh, that's um, awesome. you know, which is pretty, pretty sweet. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we did that. We might do like a local 50 K or something. Um, next month, you know, who knows, maybe some snowshoe races, uh, this winter, I think he could probably still do those, you know, sort of with, you know, someone with him to, uh, you know, kind of make sure that, um, you know, just not make wrong turns and, and yeah. stuff. Um, and, uh, we're, we're working on a book together, um, you know, kind of about this Alzheimer's journey and eco challenge. And that's, that's been cool. You know, honestly, this follow-up stuff from the race, whether it's the book or, you know, just getting emails or messages on social media or doing some of these interviews and stuff together. It's been, it's been a lot of fun and it's, it, it's kind of become part of the treatment because it's just, it's staying engaged. It's doing things that are cognitively challenging and kind of, you know, push right up to that limit. And sometimes a little bit beyond which is probably okay as well um yeah. we're hoping to maybe do some stuff with with the alzheimer's association here in the u.s you, you know maybe uh, we're not sure what maybe it's making a video or doing some you know kind of speaking sort of stuff probably these days at a distance um yeah. but that's become a you know a great thing for him to to hey if this is a story that you know helps people in a similar circumstance and their families and then we're all about um you know trying to help people that's awesome that's brilliant and um i love the sign of the, the book when are you hoping to get that one out <clears throat> well we're we've got a proposal our agent is uh it's you know it's a long <laughs> process but mm. we're, we're shopping the proposal around right now and we're hoping you know who knows maybe in the next month or something we've got a a publishing contract and that would probably mean on the shelves uh you know maybe uh, spring, summer, um, 2021. Yeah. Oh, which, which isn't too, too far away really. So yeah. you'll certainly have to be working hard then. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a, it's a big undertaking, but yeah, I, I definitely, you know, having done it before, you know, you just, yeah. uh, you know, it's like you're doing, you're doing your first, you know, whatever X distance or something, you know, you have a lot more sense of what's involved and you know, what the challenges will be and stuff. Uh, but uh, you know, and it's it's cool to do it together and, and kind of like the last book i'm i'm motivated by hopefully here something that that can help people yeah yeah no i'm i'm sure it will anyway thank you so much for sharing your experience with us it, it's if people haven't watched it they really need to to get on and, and watch it because it's an awesome the race itself but also just watching you with your dad is is an awesome story so thanks for sharing that with us yeah, you're welcome. Thanks. Thanks for saying it. Great to, great to be here. I, sh I sure hope the world opens uh, back up and I can yeah. get, get down to OZ again. I want to, I want to bring my kids to, to New Zealand and Australia because Amy and I spent quite a bit of time there back in the day and uh, yeah. I, I want to make sure the kids get to see it. Yeah, that's right. Oh, look, seriously, I hope, I hope we can all be traveling soon. It would be, it would be great. And uh, yeah, we'll have to catch up if you do come over here. Yeah. Alrighty, thanks for that. See you later.
I think it is such an awesome thing that Travis got to do with his dad. I wish I had done something epic with my parents that I had to look back on. I also found it really interesting that the teams have to do all those certification courses before they can participate in Eco Challenge. Certainly makes it sound much more achievable for people to do. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great week of training. Stay safe, stay fit, look after your loved ones. And remember, this too shall pass.